welcome, Colin. Hi, yeah. Frank. Hello, yeah. everyone. Great to see you. And as I've mentioned, we've seen that great announcement in terms of uh, the investment from LNG Bruntwood, the Science Tech uh, Initiative. Tell us a little bit more about that, mate. Uh, well, in a typically Liverpool way, we've done something unique and something that's never been done before. So and I, if anything's going to lift our city and, and the region out of the economic situation we all find ourselves in, it's the invention in Liverpool, isn't it? And the innovation and the creativity of the people. And so Science Tech's a unique deal. I think it's the first time anywhere in the country that City Council, two world, two world leading universities have created a company, done a share issue. It was an FCA regulated transaction and brought in a significant initial amount of, um, I've just got a message from Tony Reeves. <laughs> I'm being heckled. <laughs> uh, that's the beauty of the internet. Um, so it's, it's kind of the first, if I just go back to that point, it's not been done before, but it's a financial investment in the company that we've created with the city and the universities. So somebody's not come in and bought our buildings or bought our assets or taken anything over. This is the world's one of the world's leading funds, legal in general. You know, their future cities team and Bruntwood, who are now the biggest owners and operators of science and technology parks in the UK coming together and putting money into Liverpool. I think that's a huge show of faith in, in the city and what we're all involved in and what we're all doing. I don't think it's been done before. Um, it's only the start, you know, it's a significant initial investment, but it brings us experience and expertise and the ability to bring forward development at a pace. And, you know, if you're an occupier now, you know, a big media company, digital company, life sciences or pharma company, you're going to take note of that investment and you're going to think of the brilliant talent, the graduates, the people we've got in Liverpool, the cultural offer, the waterfront. And, you know, I think it's why wouldn't you put your business here now that, you know, that face has been shown in the city. Mm -hmm. So I think the, the timing is really, really important. I think that the timing is more important than the amount of money. It's a significant investment, but to do it now, I think gives us all um, you know, faith and optimism for the future. Yeah, it is that vote of confidence, I think, Colin, isn't it? That's vitally important at this moment in time. Um, but in terms of acting as a catalyst for the, the Knowledge Quarter location, I know there's lots of things happening already, uh, but what will this investment do you think begin to to generate in terms of development and, and potential other interests as well i think i think the first thing to say is the impact of this will benefit the whole city so you know whilst my day job for the last few years has been that half the city that's the knowledge quarter this is good for all of liverpool and that vote of confidence in our schemes means that i would like to think that things like um the new cultural project for the waterfront, further works on the waterfront itself, schemes like Pal Mal, will all be able to you know, gather confidence and accelerate to the pace because of this deal. So I think it will benefit the whole city. In the knowledge quarter, Paddington Village, um, thanks to Morgan Sindel, I can see Sue there. Paddington Village, massive success, absolutely 
nobody thought that derelict site could become what it now is in just three or four years. And, um, you know, I posted on Twitter the other day that image as you come down Edge Lane and you see the spine now looking amazing and the hotel core next to it. That's just the start. That's Paddington Central. So with this money, um, working with the city council, we can bring forward Paddington North, which is likely we've got a project name there called The Hill, and we can bring forward Paddington South at a pace. Um, also the work that Claire Slinger and the council have done on Upper Central. Um, LGMU have got a great scheme underway there. That whole area around Coppice Hill and Mount Pleasant will join the Knowledge Core to the universities to the retail district. Um, there can't be many cities of our size and our growth potential that have a huge site right next to the main train line into London. So I think the value of Upper Central is going to become very clear as we take that forward. And there are many, many other schemes as well, but you know, I bore you all to death talk, talking about that and it's sunny outside. Um, I, I'm just very excited about it. It's really, you know, Joe Anderson started this and I think he must take a lot of credit for creating that city mayoral development zone, having faith which the universities have backed 100%, attracting the investor and, and the support of the combined authority as well in Paddington Village, it's been a real team effort. You mentioned the, the fact that this development will be something that's of importance to the city. I think you and I, Colin, have spoken in the past, and I touched on this with Tony Rees yesterday, actually, about the fact that that part of the city still seems a little bit disconnected from the rest of the city centre. Uh, and so, you know, one of the things that I've been pressing Frank Rogers uh, and colleagues at the Combined Authority to look at is a more strategic approach to the transport links uh, to that part of Liverpool, because if we're seeing a big development, big investment there, then equally it does need to be seen as somewhere that is accessible. Um, so again, as I say, I don't really want to break any confidences. Um, I know you were having some conversations in terms of trying to get that connectivity improved. Have we made any progress with that? Yeah, we've, we've been talking to, um Councillor Liam Robinson, who chairs Mersey Travel, um, had further discussions with the city, and we think we've got a really strong argument for a last mile transport connection to go from Paddington, where we're building a big new multi-storey car park, but on the edge of the city centre, which means that people can then get that trackless tram from Paddington into the city, and also from Lime Street and Central, up to Paddington Village and the new hospitals. Um, we've had a lot of support in the meeting. There's a lot of discussions ongoing. It's another game changer, isn't it? It's Liverpool ripping up the rule book, challenging the norm, doing something different. It's bold that we should go down their last mile transport solution, different to other cities. But that, I think that's what we're about. So we should seize the opportunity and do it. <laughs> it's funny really, isn't it? You know, for all, the terrible things that are happening, you know, and the whole human tragedy of the pandemic and, and the economic consequences. We've all seen one really big difference, haven't we, which is the environment, you know, isn't, isn't it amazing being outdoors and, you know, what you, you know, the return of nature and the quality of the light and the, 
you know, and our cities are better for not being polluted by cars and trucks and vans. And we should remember this moment and really invest in those green transport solutions and proper pedestrian routes and proper cycle paths. And let's not return to what there was before. There's, there's some really important learnings. One of the things I love most is the invention of everybody involved in a social enterprise and the amount of work that went on at in places like the fabric district to creating, building, making PPE, you know. Social enterprises have kept this city going and we should concentrate on, on that kind of innovation and the environment and not go back to the old ways when we end. Just a, a final point, Colin, before I bring uh, other people into the conversation. And the other thing I should have said at the outset is I, I'm interested to hear this afternoon people's views on where uh, the property construction sector is and, and your experiences of the lockdown thus far and, and how you're hoping to see things develop. But as I say, one final point, Colin. Um, you're a brilliant marketeer. And, you know, one, one of the, the many things that I've admired about you over the years and that you're an ideas guy that you come up with practical solutions, sometimes very simple, but the simple ideas are often the best. Liverpool, I think, has gone through a tortuous process over a decade or more now, trying to come up with that magic strap line or that silver bullet or that marketing strategy that's going to say to the world, this is what we're about. And, and you and I have, have both spent many hours and, and too many hours in rooms discussing this. Um, I think that, you know, the positivity that Joe, Tony, Steve Rotherham, and then the news of this investment brings means that we should be very ambitious and aspirational about that message. Uh, and again, we're right in the middle of creating something uh, in terms of our marketing collateral. Um, just give us your, uh, your thoughts on what that marketing collateral, what that message might look like going forward. Well, well as you know, work is going on now behind the scenes to, to get the Liverpool brand right. And um, Julia Bradley is chairing that brand group and work is going on with agencies to take that forward. And I've always, I've always seen Liverpool, it's the reason I'm here. You know, I was born in Merseyside, but as you know, a lot of my working life has been Manchester. And I'm here because I think Liverpool is a city of opportunity. And I think we should really focus on that. You know, the opportunity to create where we are world leaders the innovation, the creativity, the invention. Um, I think we'll come out of this economic situation far quicker than most cities. We're, we're not overly dependent on large firms or, or nowadays the public sector. A lot of our economy is driven by all the people on this call, you know, uh, people who work for small and medium-sized businesses, people who are doing startups and spin-outs. And that's where I, that's our greatest strength, I think. So, I think it's a combination of opportunity and creativity. And if I told, told you any more, Frank, I'd be uh, revealing things which, uh, which <laughs> will come out very soon. But I think I love something that Michael Parkinson says. You know, I'm a huge fan of Professor Michael Parkinson. You know, I think that man is a genius. And you know, um, those people are the change makers that make an ordinary city an amazing city. Yeah. And Michael talks about something where he says, you know, if, if you look at what Liverpool's been good at, and it's been a city regenerated through culture, 
tourism, the waterfront, and now increasingly our knowledge economy, our knowledge intensive economy. If we were good at that going into this pandemic, then why change now? Yeah. Let's stick to what we're good at and focus on what we're good at and use that to drive our economy forward. Now, I love that, that idea that if you're good at something, don't give up, don't be distracted from that. If you're good at it going in, you'll be good at it coming out. But will make a difference. Cool. If anyone, by the way, wants to uh, make a comment, ask a question of Colin as he's speaking, there is a facility um, on your screen to, um, there's a chat room. So if you, if you sort of type, just type your name that you want to ask a question, I'll, I'll call you in. Um, but at this point, I want, wanted to ask Stephen, Steve Cowperthwaite, um, to, to comment on the news of that investment because, of course, Stephen... Had things um, gone to plan, we'd have been in uh, Cannes uh, a few weeks ago uh, and we'd have been talking about the potential of those investments into the knowledge quarter and we'd have been looking ahead in terms of what the uh, huge uh, marketing piece for Liverpool was going to look like. Uh, and I know you as well, from Aberson Young's perspective, have been working on trying to bring people into the city. Um, so, so what's your mood at the moment, Stephen? And, and again, reaction to the the news that uh, that we've got that investment into the knowledge quarter. It, I mean, it's absolutely fantastic news, Frank. And I think to get that deal <clears throat> over the line at this time, and I think you know, I think of what Colin has said that it really reinforces. Um, you know, the attributes of, of the city and the potential that the city has. So, I mean, I've <clears throat> I've had conversations with legal in general for going back the last three or four years that came out of um, MIP and, yeah, it's probably about four years now. So for them to have a foothold uh, and are not, you know, in, in the city is, is brilliant. Um, I think what's really interesting and, and obviously how we market ourselves at MIPIM is, is hugely important. What are the opportunities? So we were we were approached last week by Property Week, um, who were picking up on the whole life sciences piece. And one thing that this crisis has done is put Liverpool firmly on the map um, in, in terms of the research and the, the capabilities in, in the life sciences and health sector. Um, I've got a good friend of mine who's a professor at uh, School of Tropical Medicine who's become a bit of a media star, to be honest with you, over the last few weeks. He's been on, you know, um, breakfast time, question time, um, and, and everything else, the one show. But what it, what it does demonstrate is that it, it, it's amazing how many people still don't know uh, the fantastic institutions that we have in, in the city centre, and the more that we can capitalise on that, the better. And what this investment does by Bruntwood SciTech into SciTech is reinforce that message that we do have these fantastic institutions to work with. Um, and I think, as, as again, touching upon what Colin says, um, and I've, I've been on Twitter this morning um, saying the same sort of thing with a bit of a to and throw is that it's, yes, getting some big name companies into the city uh, will be great. Uh, and that's plainly part of the journey. But we have to tap into those innovators and entrepreneurs and startup businesses and the fantastic research that's already taken place in the city 
um, and create an environment where they can grow and be the next businesses that occupy the fantastic spaces that we're going to create uh, in Knowledge Quarter. And then from a, from a wider perspective, that's just, you know, that's just part of the whole thing of what Liverpool is about when you add in, you know, the cultural offer and the other opportunities around the waterfront and Pall Mall, um, et cetera, up, Upper Central. Um, I, I, I totally agree with you. in a fantastic position as a city. I get a sense from speaking to my fellow managing directors around the country of other offices, and I think we are ahead of the curve in terms of how we are looking to, um, from a recovery perspective, to bounce back. So, I think uh, you know everybody keep up keep up the good work and keep spreading spreading the message, and we'll come out of this um, stronger and better. I think. I just pick up on that last point of a May, Stephen, in terms of the conversations you're having with your colleagues, because Avison Young, of course, an international company, yeah. so you will be aware of things that are happening in global cities. And like you, I'm sensing that Liverpool, you know, we've we've often been criticised for not perhaps reacting as quickly as we need to in times of economic change. But I'm sensing, like you, that that actually this time round, we're a bit ahead of the curve. Yeah, definitely. And I think the, the key to me, and it's the same, it, it's kind of the same in the MIPIM context, Frank, is that we're focusing upon what we're good at, as opposed to, so honing the conversation and the ask, you know, going forward around uh, what makes a difference, um, you know, job creation, the skills pool that we've got, etc., as opposed to trying to cover every single base. So, it ties back into that brand conversation as to what we are, uh, what's unique about us, uh, what is our, what are our key differentiators compared to other cities, um, and absolutely, it, it feels, you know, it feels like we're in a really, really good place to be able to come out of this ahead, of, ahead of the curve, um, you know, and um, yeah, ahead of our competitors, hopefully, in terms of from a, and, and I say competitors in terms of other cities in the UK and globally. Okay. Thanks, Steve. Um, Sue Patterson, I'm going to bring you into the conversation, and uh, uh, you were you were mentioned in dispatches there by Colin in terms of the work that Morgan Sindel have done in Paddington Village. Uh, so again, it must have been music to your ears when that news came through of this uh, this investment. Yeah, no, it's 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 brilliant for for the city. It's um, it gives a lot of confidence for everyone. I think moving forward to hear you know deals like that still going through at this time, and I think you know that's what we need right now is we all need that confidence to know that we can continue moving forward. Um, I think. You know, we're, we're past the stage of reaction now and we're in recovery stage of looking ahead. And I think the important thing is moving forward that those opportunities are there for us because the construction is, it's a major contributor to the economy. Um, it's a major contributor to the local region. And, you know, we can only do what we do for the local community if we've got jobs on site and future jobs to go to. So this is fantastic news, yeah. So I know one of the key priorities and focuses for you guys in terms of that site and the development uh, has been offering young people in the city opportunities. So through apprenticeships and work experience and that sort of thing. I'm just wondering how 
the crisis is going to impact on that. Uh, I was talking to Elaine Bowker on, on a call a few days ago, who's really worried actually about their apprenticeship programme and there just being enough work out there for the people who are going through the college. Um, what are you sensing as far as that's concerned? I think, well, at, at the moment, it's, it's difficult right now to uh, be continuing with anything um, because health and safety has to come first. Um, we've had a lot to uh, get our heads around and um, we're working closely with the Construction Leadership Council on getting all that into place. But moving forward, I'd say the, the priority is, and it's been said before, let's just, let's crack on, let's move, let's get on with it. And if we've got jobs on site, then those opportunities are there. So the key thing is we've, we've got to get, um, there's a lot of projects that are probably in design stage um, moving forward. The key thing is getting them procured and getting them to site. That's, and then we can, you know, we can carry on feeding the local economy with the apprenticeship programmes and the experience for the students. And that's something that, you know, we, we don't want to stop that. It's, uh, it's a really, really important part of what we do. Thanks, Sue. Um, uh, part of the conversation yesterday as well, and, and again, Colin touched on this in terms of the, the new agendas that are emerging and probably accelerating around green agenda environment. Tony Reeves was saying that you know, modular housing is going to be something that becomes increasingly important as house building is still a priority, but nonetheless, those um, issues around modular uh, become more to the fore. And, and Ian and Lisa are on the call at the moment. I just wonder uh, whether you know, you've picked that up as an opportunity, Ian, and, and, and basically how shape are looking to, to take advantage of those new opportunities potentially yes um first on the comments on the haircuts frank i noticed yours are getting a little bit long collins and <laughs> david keynes then you look at tony mcdonald and nothing's changed <laughs> <laughs> i got some stick over my barn from bloody <laughs> the other day my face is starting to come through. One benefit, one benefit of being bald. I've already been ripped for me wallpaper by Kaney as well, so. It's the baby's old room, so <laughs> I need to get it wallpapered. <laughs> yeah, um, just to go back to your, your question then, Frank, there's, there's a real opportunity for us now, especially in the modular, um, the mod modular world, because we still need to bring forward the houses and with the time benefits with the modular uh, being one of the main advantages. Um, it's, a, it's a great opportunity for us. Again, we're still getting a little bit of, of um, conflict, so to speak, where we're still trying to convey people into modular and the benefits of it. People are stuck in the ways and you know they're all for traditional build effectively, but as we keep saying, we're only here, we're only here to complement it. We're here to bring houses forward. Our new range of houses, which you know, we've got the net zero homes and the benefits of um, you know, them being very efficient, effectively, is, is right on the agenda at the moment. So we, our factory, which is in Kuala Lumpur, closed down on the 18th of March. And we went back into the factory on Monday. Uh, we're still sticking to the social distancing so we've ditched the high fives and we're sticking to the six foot rule 
Um, so we've put, changed our shift pattern. So we've got more people in the factory. Um, we're providing them with uh, ready-made meals throughout the day and so on and so forth. And people who are affected, the families who are affected, we're supporting them. Um, allowing us to open the factory is fantastic. We've just finished off a project for a hotel chain. Um, in terms of confidence, we were awarded a hotel in South End on Sea, uh, which is the largest airspace project in the UK. So it's three stories on top of a 10-story existing building. And the hospitality sector obviously is affected at the moment, but we've had the green light and we're still cracking forward with that at the moment. So that's a good one for us. And that'll be going through the factory within the next couple of weeks. And then again, we're looking at a couple of sites at the moment with a couple of housing associations across the Northwest to still continue to bring the modular homes forward. Excellent, really positive, really positive. Um, now, I mentioned that we wanted to get into this, the health and safety issue and a potential return to work. Uh, and before I bring um, Max and, and Alan in, if Alan's still with us, he's disappeared from my screen, but I think he is still with us on the call somewhere. Um, I just wanted to ask David, you know, we, we had long and tortuous conversations in the first couple of weeks of the lockdown. And I think this is an important point to make because I think sometimes people forget, you know, as business owners, we've all got <laughs> family, we've got friends, we care about the people that are around us, we care about our communities. And this idea that businesses, you know, will send people out willy-nilly into dangerous uh, health-affecting incidents and situations, um, it, it does, um, to use the technical phrase, piss me off a little bit. Uh, and property does seem construction seems to be a bit of an easy target. So in those early days, you know, you were on the phone to me uh, on a daily basis, genuinely saying to me, I just don't know what to do. You've got the pressures of your workforce, many of whom are self-employed and still won't be seeing any real help coming from, from the Chancellor's announcements. As good as I think the Chancellor's business support packages have been, there's still a big chunk of the... UK workforce being missed out and often they're related to the construction industry. Uh, but then on the other side, you had, as I say, this criticism uh, of health and safety measures and just allowing people to continue to work. I think that dissipated as the weeks went by. Uh, but where are you at the moment? We're across fields at the moment. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's better now than it was, if you like. I think the early stages, there was a a real mix between some of your contractors shutting down completely, if you like, um, and some of them trying to remain open. We luckily, working with Max and Alan, managed to keep the majority of our sites open uh, on the early stages, although at a lot less capacity than what we'd have liked at the time, if you like. So we managed to keep them open. But the drive for me, like I say, Frank, me and you spoke a few times, was it wasn't really productive to me to stay open, if I'm honest with you. So it wasn't a money-driven thing. I was probably less productive being on site. It was probably costing me money. But the pressures I had was the, the smaller supply chain members basically saying to me, Dave, if you shut, I've got no money coming in. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, we're going to really struggle at that point. So the difficulty was trying to get that right balance between you know, keeping the sites moving if we can and you know, supporting the supply chain and making sure they can earn some money while the government sorted out what they were doing in terms of you know, the support and main, maintaining an health and safety rules. So I'd like to say, Alan, I know you're coming on to but Alan and Max were a great help to be fair. I'd, on chats with, with Alan and obviously Max worked with the team and we come up with some really innovative solutions really to keep the sites going. I think the biggest problem we had was suppliers. 
towards the end. I think that's what sort of brought our sites to a halt, if you like, rather than the health and safety factor at the end, because we put um, systems in place, but the manufacturers stopped, so you ran out of materials. But you have seen mm-hmm. over the last three or four weeks, they're all opening again. Yeah. If you know, like, like Total Glass opened last week, you've got PARS opened a couple of weeks ago, so your big suppliers are starting to open again, and I think we're probably running around 70% capacity. Right. At the moment, I think the difficulty we'll have is if you get back up to 100, can you maintain the social distancing? Mm. So we're sort of working on programs now for, for all the live projects. I think we've got 10 or 12 projects in, in the Northwest at a 70% capacity. What does that do to your programs, if you like? Because I don't think we're capable of going back to 100%. I don't think you can maintain the new health and safety rules of that. The problem we've got with that is going to be the knock on of the additional time on the contracts, if you like. And I think, although we're not at risk for LADs, you have got the, the prelim over them. So all in, I think, although we're not feeling it right at the minute, towards the end of the jobs, when the jobs are going over, six, seven weeks as a result of COVID, that's when the financial pinch will come a little bit on some of the projects. So I think we're away off from that yet, but just being aware of it. Okay. Thanks, David. Uh, got comment from, from Peter. Peter Cummins from, from Kia, who we can't see, but we can hear. If he puts his mute button off, Peter, nice to see you, or almost see you. Nice to see you, Frank, and everybody else. Um, yeah, I suppose I was just going back to the Liverpool brand, um, and Liverpool blows its own trumpet loud and often, and rightly so. But I was just thinking, wouldn't it be really powerful? If LNG and Bruntwood, two of the leading investors, came out and publicly said why they'd made the investment in Liverpool as opposed to anywhere else, I think it would be so powerful. Mm. Um, it'd be an endorsement on Liverpool. And actually, I think with them being external, it would have a greater effect on any other potential investors as opposed to people inside Liverpool, you know, saying why Liverpool's so good. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point well made. Peter, I'll just bring Colin back into the conversation, if I may. Um, it is always better when other people say how good you are rather than us telling everyone how great we are. I've never found it a problem on a personal level telling people how great I am. That's, that's, a di- that's an entirely different story. Um, yeah, I know we've got Chris Oglesby doing a, a, an event with us next week. And I know, you know, Chris is very complimentary about Liverpool and, and the way in which the, the city is perceived now from where it was 10, 15 years ago. But I don't think we're going to have an issue getting those guys to, to shout long and loud about the potential and opportunity in this place, are we, Cole? No, um, you know, we're really lucky. You look at, um, Chris is a brilliant person to work with and I'm sure we'll, you know, Brum would have been a big investor in Liverpool for a long time. People forget that, you know, they've owned 11 buildings in the city. So one of Liverpool's biggest office buildings, the Plaza, was Brumwood. So they know, they know Liverpool really well. Um, of course, Peter's got a good point. Um, both Brumwood and Legal and General were quoted in the press release you will see them more and more involved. And you, I know, Frank, you had a brilliant interview with Tony Reeves. And Tony talked about 
project Greyhound, the economic recovery plan for the city, um, without you know breaking any confidences. There are lots of people who are feeding into that process, you know, and I think it, it's really important. It's something that I know Tony wants that big business, big investors, the funds, the developers, that they get behind that process. So um, it's a really good point. You know, we need businesses to support us. We've all seen how so Howard did it over many years in Manchester and worked very hard with uh, Mike Ingalls, David Partridge's, Chris Ogles biz. Um, we need those voices supporting us as well. And I think we're on the way to doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got people like you and me, Frank, in the midfield. You know, we're the kind of Jordan Henderson, James Milners, and then you've got our attackers, the city mayor, the metro mayor, Tony Reeves, they're all up front. And, you know, that's how it's got to be. And we need to get as many of those key business players into our front line. Yeah. I'll I'll be Andrea Gomez in that uh, that particular analogy if you don't mind, mate. Okay, <laughs> now. Not only dirty, not only not only dirty reds, but bloody ugly dirty reds as well. I'm being compared to either of them two. Uh, <laughs> right, we'll leave that one. We'll leave that one there. Um, Although, just just to say the um, no. That point to Peter's is vital to the brand. So, you know, whoever we all know in the city, not just in property and development, but in, in industry and in commerce, let's, you know, use all of those people and get the help of them. And we did get massive help from, um, you know, from both the chief execs of Liverpool and Everton football clubs in those earlier stages of the brand work. And it's really important that we bring them in again as we take it forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, listen, before I bring Alan and Max in, as I say, I want to talk about what the new health and safety regs might look like. Again, some of the conversations that I've been party to suggesting that the two metre rule may be relaxed to one and a half metres, and, and that makes a massive difference on sites. It also makes a huge difference when the hospitality sector uh, gets back into operation to those guys as well. Um, so, as I say, Alan, Max, get get ready to to come in and and uh, and give us your thoughts on on what may be around the corner. Um, but just wanted to bring Sean in from Sutcliffe because I know you guys have still been operating some sites as well and are looking ahead to potential opportunities in the future. So, Sean, I'm not sure whether Billy's still with us, but Sean, uh, do you want to just give us a, a, a review, a preview, if you like, of what it's looking like for you guys at the moment. Your mute button's still on, Sean. Sean, your mute's still on. Sorry about that. I was there you go. looking at Teams and trying to open the Teams up. <laughs> what we, we've got a number of sites started up and, up and running, a couple of them with Max. Um, we found that construction sites, Stephen's talking to different contractors, probably about 60% of them are still marrying, uh, managing to carry on working. A couple of them are local ones, so the, the Royal is and down at the Knowledge Quarter. Um, so we, we've managed to keep on working out on the sites. In the office, we, we're still not back in the office. We're desperate to get back to the office. So certain uh, groups of the older people are desperate to get back. And we're hoping that we're allowed to come back because we, we do think that there's a certain element of the work that we do it's just better, closer together. There's certain elements of it that you just, we are working as, as, a, as a team. 
Um, but we find that so the, the professional services side of the industry has probably been reasonably buoyant over the last couple of months relative to other sectors. But what's going to happen is eventually the, the on-site construction work is, is going to slow down. So it's really important that the contractors, the Kears, the Morgan Sindels are back on site and they're using the resource to make sure that the construction work is continuing. Okay, thanks, Sean. Um, Alan, who's um, obviously in his spare time, starting to form a, a tribute band to ZZ Top, and yeah. um, uh, and <laughs> and Max, welcome. You and I had a chat the other day, guys, uh, about some of the work that you've been involved in, and obviously, uh, your services have never been more sought after, in a sense, and you're working right across the country. Uh, I don't know which one of you wishes to go first. Um, but just tell us about some of the things that you're looking at in terms of new innovations as we move into this new world post-lockdown. Do you want to go first, Al, or do you want me to take it? Go on, I'll let you go first. I've just I've moved from the kitchen, from the middle child's room, into the car, so I'll let you crack on, although I'm <laughs> set up now. So, um, Yeah, so as, as Frank and obviously David said, um, this, it came as a bit of a shock to us first, obviously, um, and we mentioned that a lot of contractors did take that knee-jerk reaction and stop sites. Um, I'd say we probably had, at one point, as low as 40% of sites operating, and they were the big, wide-open space sites that you had, so your big new builds, all that sort of thing. So um, we did have to take stock on a lot of projects, and working alongside Crossfield, that was, that was a key thing that we'd done. So... We, um, we had to sit down with the supply chain and uh, we wanted to make a site that you wanted to come to site because there was a point in a period where there was a lot of press saying that workers were only going to projects because they, they wanted to earn money. We wanted to build sites and work with contractors and clients to make it uh, an area where you wanted to visit. So there was suitable social distancing. There was a place where you could go for your lunch while, while sitting there within two meter distances of people and um, it was operating safely. I think um, the key point is that there's a new normal now and the new normal is that you can only really get 60-70% of the people on site safely. So one thing we're looking at now with contractors, I mean we're working alongside Morgan Sindel on, on uh, Wirral Waters from a pre-construction point of view, we're working alongside Keir on a new hospital in North Wales and the big thing is what what is the new normal? So that is, you know, you need a lot more welfare space on site. So that's cabins and you know areas to, to have your break if you want to get 100% of numbers on site. And with with 100% of numbers, it is really tough to keep that two meter social distancing. Um, so you know the new normal may be a case that you look to your shapes for your your modular construction because anything off site where you've got the ability to control control you know your product bring it to site and construct it on site is a lot better so we're actually sitting there with design teams now also away from contractors to say you know what can we do off site how can we minimize the the dense nature of a construction site that as always is to um, to work on this new normal so we've gone from a position now where we've you know worked alongside crossfield to get best practice measures on site whether it's one-way routes, what stairs going up, stairs going down to keep people away from each other, staggered breaks and, and supporting people, um, to now looking at what, what is the future for the next six to 12 months. 
Um, I mean, my, my thoughts on it, I believe this contact tracing app could be huge with instruction sites because if you've got 100% buy-in on your site and you know who's came into contact with a potential person who's got symptoms, then you can minimize the risk to your construction site. So a big thing we're pushing to contractors is, you know, let's, let's get the knowledge out there to the, to the guys on site. Let's um, offer, the, offer them the um, advice with regards to testing so we can keep running and keep running efficiently. Uh, but it's it's definitely changing day by day. Um, I mean, David will vouch for it. We've got weekly calls with all of his sites now um, as a as a group call, which have worked really well. Uh, so it, it's a it's constantly evolving, and uh, we're just tackling it week by week. To be honest, I think that's where Max has been heavily involved on the the practical side, and 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 I think the, the high level points. I mean, you know, we're trying to maintain positivity and promote positivity here. Is that with the buy-in and the engagement from from the supply chain, you know, from from Crossfield and 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 their suppliers has been has been like something, you know, what we could have only dreamed of previously. Um, you know, real buy-in to the you know the measures that we're putting into place. So, um, you know, I think what we need to do is take this forward, you know, from a health and safety and CDM point of view, and and, and roll that out going forward because the buy-in has just been phenomenal. We've been blown away by it, to be honest. Um, and I think that's you know. CDM health and safety is that sort of taboo subject, um, mainly because it's you know we, we've seen it done as a box ticking exercise over the years. So um, I think the positives to take away is is, is the buy-in that we've had from from the supply chain. I think that you know we we operate across all different stages of construction. We're retained by architects, clients, through to contractors and even subcontractors. So. I think part of our sort of mission task, if you like, is to get everyone up to that same speed, you know, because we're, you know, and, and thankfully no one's on this call that I'm talking about, but there's, there's some, you know, big outfits out there that we're dealing with who are, are still not still not up to speed and, and they're still got belly in the head in the sand and not really seeing there's a, there's, there's a problem. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been fascinating even just the last two weeks. Um, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to up until... This week, I've tried to spend a bit more time at home. I've been getting into the office, um, so that that's been a bit easier for me. Um, and, and yeah, it's been it's been interesting, as I'm sure it has for all. Thanks, Alan. Think, Thanks, Max. Alan, uh, just on that, um, the buying. I think you're right on that, mate. I think it was it was twofold really on on the subby buying. I think firstly there was a general fear of of COVID, mm -hmm. if you like. So I think a lot of supply chain bought into out of fear. But I think secondly, what you know, the stuff we put all to it, Max and Alan, we said. This is the only way we keep the sites open. So you adhere to the rules or the sites have to close, basically, really. So it was sort of sold to them that way. So like you say, I think working close to our PMs, you know, we have seen good buying from the supply chain, which if they didn't follow the rules and, and you know, the policy we put in place, we would have had to shut the site and it, it stops the meaning, if you like. So I think, as you say, buying's been huge, hasn't it? I think they're the two main drivers for it, really. Anyone else got any uh, questions or points for, for Alan uh, and Max? Or just drawing on your own experiences of the people that you're probably in contact with and, uh, and your thoughts on as we come out of the lockdown? Sean? Thank you, I jump in. We've carried a, a poll in the office about returning back to the office. And one thing I was actually surprised at, there's, there's a genuine nervousness following up, I think what David said this, is a genuine nervousness about coming back to the office um, even though uh, social distance possible and cleaning and all those procedures, 
I think there's a psychological thing that a lot of people feel a little bit battered about it. So I think there's a little bit of soft, warm, cuddly stuff required. Yeah, I think that's certainly being picked up, isn't it, by uh, people across uh, various industry sectors. Uh, and I think equally, you know, if we go back to uh, a sector that all of us work with at, at some point, the hospitality sector, they're the guys who were first into this and they're probably going to be last out. Uh, and they're, you know, if you look at Liverpool, uh, Colin was able to list a whole range of industry sectors which we can see some positivity coming out of in the future months and years. But we're all equally aware of the fact that the visitor economy has been a massive driver of Liverpool's economy over the last 10 years. Uh, and therefore, you know, I think it's incumbent upon all of us um, to, to lobby and talk to whoever we need to to make sure that that sector uh, is supported and looked after as much as possible as well. Uh, and as I say, listen, from a construction perspective, it's it's you guys who build the hotels, who do the refurbs of the uh, restaurants and the bars, so crucially important to, at so many levels there. Um, there's a couple of people who haven't spoken yet, and I don't want to cut the conversation short if there's people who are desperate to make points. And as I say, Listen, you got two of the best in the business in Alan and Max as far as health and safety is concerned. So I'd, I'd use the uh, free uh, consultation now if you can. Um, and if you've got any questions, um, just indicate, just wave to me or put it on the screen. Anybody else wanting to say anything? Doesn't have to be about health and safety. Um, uh, Michael's in the room. I know that architects are, are having an interesting time at the moment. Michael, do you just want to come into the discussion? Thanks, Frank. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting hearing that. Um, I mean, I think uh, we're very positive about um, coming out of the um, this enforced lockdown and remote working. Um, I think these sort of um, events, shall we say, whether it's a you know severe recession or the thing that we're experiencing now, they do drive creativity and innovation, mm. and they bring it forward very much faster. So I think it's it's interesting picking up on that that you know you're seeing good examples there of how there's a as a different approach and different mindset to some issues uh, around health and safety, which I think will become embedded and drive you know, a, a different and more positive attitude has been has been uh, as has been said, but also I think again you know the the, the more fleet of foot the more nimble the small and medium size enterprises whether they be contractors or or in the service industry can pick those up much more quickly than some of the bigger um organizations that that you know i think um alan was talking about being much more difficult to see the need to adapt and, and not just the need to adapt but the opportunity that that presents mm. being fortunately we we've been um in a, in a reasonably good position in that not a lot of our workload has been impacted to date. Um, and, um, you know, we, as I say, I think we're very positive about, about the, the bounce that's going to come from um, getting back to work. And, and I think probably um, generally in, in society, I need, you know, a, a re reinforced sense of togetherness and purpose to do really positive things. So that sort of positivity I think will um, will be evident. Yeah. Thanks, Michael. 
Uh, is there anybody else before I, I start to, to wrap the conversation up who's desperate to make a contribution? <coughs> Colin? I just say, well, just in the, during this whole period, Liverpool Science Park has stayed open. It's kind of been weird going in there mm. into, a, into a nearly empty building. It's had to stay open because we've got university labs working, yeah. you know, as part of the whole government um, virus task force. So we've had to stay open. And some businesses, people, um, people in that building have been going in and working because we've made the space available. I think where the challenge is, and, you know, picking up on what Michael and others have said, is the challenge is where you go from, a few people working to a lot of people working mm. and a lot of people having to go to work so um, we've been busy the last few days trying to figure out what our policy is for Liverpool Science Park and for Sensor City that we now run as well what what are we going to do as we get buildings back up to full occupancy and I think the more frank that you can you know pull people's thoughts on that and pass that news out the better because um, it's, it's unknown for everybody isn't it yeah, absolutely. I think there are some challenges ahead. And I think some of this, Colin, will be suck it and see, won't it? We were talking about, you know, calls that you and I have been involved in. Staggered start times, staggered finishing times, getting businesses to buy into that, which I don't think is going to be an issue. Um, but I was joking with my staff about, you know, the potential of returning to work. And... Um, I was sort of saying to them, well, you know, get the train at 10 o'clock. And somebody said, yeah, but that is going to be the new peak hour. And I, and I suppose that's the fact, isn't it? We we do probably need to have uh, a plan in place, at least as a city, uh, where we say we're going to have some staggered times and, you know, how that can be managed and the logistics of that are fairly challenging. But we're going to have to get there, I think, because we are moving into to a new way of, of working. Uh, listen, guys, uh, I'm sure, like me, uh, Thursday is the new Friday this week because uh, we'll all be out with our bunting and Union Jacks tomorrow, won't we, as uh, Liverpool does for VE Day. Uh, but uh, I've got a quiz to, to get ready for it at four o'clock. I usually finish bottom of the league, so I, I've decided to, to become the quiz master this week just to save myself any embarrassment. It's been great. This has been our first, I should have said at the start, Liverpool Property Forum. We'd anticipated that this was going to be uh, a very social occasion with over 100 people at the restaurant, bar and grill. Hopefully we'll be able to do that in the not too distant future. Uh, but thanks to Project 4 for your sponsorship of today's event. Thanks to Colin uh, for his, as always, interesting contribution to the conversation. Have a great weekend, guys. And uh, we'll see you very soon. Thank you.